0: A couple years ago, Rochelle and I realized that the Turner family Thanksgiving was broken. In my memory, her family's holiday meal was just about perfect. When we were dating, I'd arrive that morning to find the counter that always had some kind of sweet treat on it, overflowing with pies and cookies all baked in the last few days. On the kitchen table were baking sheets full of bread her father had torn and left overnight to go stale for stuffing. Some of it would actually get stuffed and others of it would end up as dressing. One pan of the sweet potatoes would be covered in butter and brown sugar and the other would also get marshmallows. And a dozen other dishes, all with their special tweaks, would be created in the same exacting way. Everyone had their favorite dish, and every dish would be made just like so, year after year. But a couple of years ago, after missing several Thanksgivings while we lived in Florida, we returned to find that that tradition was broken. Driving in the night before, we found the kitchen counters empty of baked goods. The next morning, as we waited for the hustle and bustle to begin, Rochelle's mom was still in bed late into the morning, and her dad was just kind of piddling around the house. At 11, Rochelle's brother showed up with his family. Her sister wasn't planning on coming in just until the meal happened. So the two older kids started cooking. Recipes had to be guessed at. Ingredients were missing. No bread had been torn for the stuffing. In fact, her dad had committed the cardinal sin of going to the store and buying a stuffing mix that he was planning to doctor up. That was discarded. It wasn't just the food, but the whole experience. It was rushed and frenzied. By the time we were all together, the cooks were exhausted and the kids were hangry. And before we could break out Yahtzee or Monopoly, our family had to pack up and drive back to Chicago On that drive, Rochelle and I agreed. Thanksgiving was broken. It wasn't the way it had always been, and it seemed like it never would be again. The church in Corinth is broken, too. You wouldn't know it from the lines that Rebecca just read. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions just as I handed them on to you. This is Paul, and he's commending the church on everything. And then he begins the very next paragraph. Now, in the following instructions, I do not commend you. It's about how they're celebrating communion, which they're doing wrong, a tradition they apparently have not maintained just as he passed it on to them. Actually, for most of the ten chapters that come before those two verses and most of the six chapters that come after those two verses, Paul is criticizing the Corinthians for everything they do, the way they eat and marry and have sex and use their spiritual gifts. In light of all those criticisms, I suspect that these two verses, Paul is commending the Corinthians for trying, for attempting, for wanting to hand the traditions down to one another just as he handed them down. He's complimenting them for their best, doing their best imitations of him doing his imitation of Jesus. It's just not going that well. They're trying to teach the new folks in their community the faith and practice of this new religion without changing that original recipe. The ones who were there when Paul was there at the very beginning, they tell the new folks do everything the way I do it. Maintain the tradition. Imitate me as I imitate Paul, as he imitates Jesus. A copy of a copy of a copy. But it's not working. Something has been lost. There's a concept in recording and storing data. This is as techie as I get in a sermon. It's called generation loss. It refers to the loss of quality every time you make a copy of something. Tech people will know JPEG image files are well known for this. Every time you manipulate them, even a little bit, they get a little corrupted. Every time you save them, they're just a little bit worse. Until, finally, they're a lot worse. A Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox gets less and less clear until you can't read it. A recording of a recording degrades. In 1969, the composer Alvin Lucier created a piece of music... Somebody just try to call me when I'm in the pulpit. In 1969, the composer Alvin Lucier created a piece of music called I Am Sitting in a Room, which, not the catchiest title, but in it he recorded himself speaking, and then he played back that recording in the same room and recorded that, and then he played it back again. Actually, I'm going to let him explain it. Is destroyed. It's a 45 minute long song, so I won't play the whole thing, but here's like 10 minutes in. It's already totally unintelligible. And if you go to like, well, this is 32 minutes. There's a kind of beauty to it. But if the goal was to communicate that message at the beginning, it's worthless. Too much has been lost, generation by generation, copy after copy, something has been broken. Our theme this month has been, we've never done it this way playing off the popular phrase in lots of long-standing communities, we've always done it this way. That phrase that is the killer of innovations and squelcher of new energy. And I'll say with delight, it's not a phrase I've ever heard our long-standing members use. We've always done it this way. But as a new member, as a new minister in this place, It's still a phrase that echoes in my mind. I sometimes worry that I don't know how things are supposed to be, or whether there's a way that they're supposed to be. At our first annual evaluation by church council, one of the council members said, I really love all the changes you and Rebecca have made to worship. And we said, we thought we kept it the same. As someone who's been here for only three of the 124 years that Bethany has been around, sometimes I'm afraid to try something new, to make a change, to lead in a different direction, because I don't want to mess things up. I don't want to break this precious thing that's been handed on to me, to us. So we chose this theme not because our longtime members are saying we've never done we've never done it this way or we've always done it this way. But because so many of us are brand new. Something like half of us were not here 5 years ago and maybe some of you either longtime members or new folks feel like I do. Maybe you're unsure whether it's okay to bring your gifts and skills and experiences and ideas. Maybe you've been thinking of getting involved, but you're worried that you don't know how we do things. Maybe you're afraid to do it wrong. Maybe you're already leading at Bethany and you're waiting for someone to tell you the way we've always done it. The good and maybe scary news is that no one is coming to tell you The good and maybe scary news is that we get to and we have to make this community, whatever it will be, together. The good and maybe scary news is that not only are you, both long-time and new members and visitors and first-time people, not only are you allowed to bring your gifts and ideas, we need you to. We have to, we get to, create the community that we need together. Something that is connected to our history, but which goes beyond imitation of that history to something new. It's the only way. Even if we could copy the past, it would be a poor imitation. I don't look that good in lederhosen. I've seen a lot of pictures of people dancing in lederhosen. If we try to maintain things just as they have been, something would get lost. Even if we're careful, the tradition always breaks. Or rather, the more careful we are, the more likely we are to break the tradition. So we get to find new directions for serving the God of love. We need to try things in ways we have never done before. Maybe you've been thinking about all those things, but maybe you don't think about church quite as much as I do. You haven't been fearing all those things and wondering that, keeping you up at night. Okay, I get it. But maybe it's your work, or your family, or your friendships, or your spiritual life that you're trying to hold together. Maybe you've been attempting to be faithful to the way that things were at some point in the past trying to maintain things the way you receive them. Maybe you are doing your best imitation of someone you admired, someone you followed, of your parent or your sibling or your colleague or your old self. And the cracks are starting to show. You're losing the sense of whatever it was you were trying to do, the message you were trying to communicate. Maybe whatever it was you were trying to pass on has become unclear. Your career, your faith, your self-understanding, your family tradition is broken, and no matter how hard you try to do things as you've always done them, it isn't working. If that's where you're at, don't listen to Paul. I mean, that's good advice, generally. (laughs) But uh, specifically in these two verses, don't try to imitate his imitation of Jesus. Go directly to the source. In that second passage that Evan read from the Gospel of John, Jesus says something incredible, almost unbelievable. Something I don't think I've ever heard anyone preach on. This comes from his last lesson to the disciples, his last moments to pass wisdom on to them before he dies. And I think Jesus knows how hard it's going to be for them once he goes. It's always hard when your leader steps away, your example, and you're trying to fill these big shoes. When your parents can't keep up the cooking or when your parents can't keep up their health or when your boss retires or when you leave school, when the training wheels fall off and you're just trying to do your best to keep it all together the way someone else would have or did. If there was ever a group that would feel like they needed to do things the way they had always been done, it would have been the disciples after Jesus. And he knew that. So he tells them something incredible, almost unbelievable. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works I do and, in fact, will do greater than these I'm going to God. Jesus, the Christ, the beloved child of God, tells his followers, you're going to do greater things than me. You're going to do bigger things than I ever did. Jesus. But not if they just try to copy to repeat what he had accomplished, not if they insisted on just doing things the way they had always been done. Jesus knows they will face a world unlike any that he has encountered. Jesus knows we face a world unlike any he encountered on earth. And if they give in to their fear of breaking the tradition, of messing things up, even if they're doing their best imitation, it won't work. Only if they try something new, only if they make changes, only if they lead in new directions, only if they do it the way no one else could. The good and maybe scary news was that they were allowed to bring their gifts and skills and experience and ideas, and that they needed to bring them. They must bring them. No imitations would do, only their true selves could keep the work of love going, keep it growing, make it greater, even greater than when Jesus was doing it. No imitation, only what they were gifted with, only being uniquely themselves. The good and very scary news is that our gifts and skills and experiences and ideas are what God chooses To remake our world in the shape of love, that your beautiful, complicated uniqueness is exactly what is needed, and that it will take us trying something we have never done before over and over and over again, to heal every broken place.